now join the Apostle and Prophet Ministry with Pastor Ron Boyd coming to you from Dunbar Township. Come and listen in to a radio station where the mighty host of heaven sings. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you want to hear the songs of Zion coming from a land of endless spring, get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother Ronnie Boyd coming to you again today with the Apostle and Prophet Ministry. And we want you to stay tuned today because we want to talk a little bit about God's grace and mercy and how He feels toward us and how we are to be considerate and how we should feel toward one another. So stay tuned. To start with today, I'd like to read from the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew and about verse 9. We call this the Lord's Prayer. And this is the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples and told them, when you pray, pray after this manner. He said in verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever I begin to think about that, I, I think about so many today, I've talked to different ones that actually supposed to be in the church or supposed to be saved. And they seem like they get an attitude one toward another. And from that time on, all they do is try to find fault and talk that individual down and as if they are never would have a chance for salvation. But that's not the will of Jesus. That's not what he came. He came into the world to save sinners. And we are supposed to love God. How can I believe it was John wrote in his epistle. In First John 4 and 20, I believe it is, he said, you can't love God now. You can't love God and hate your brother. That's not possible. If you love, can't love your brother, you're not loving God. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Here's a commandment that we are to forgive uh, our brother or forgive another if we want forgiveness from God. He's the one that gave that commandment, not me. 
And yet we think that we can carry these things around, jealousy, bitterness, hatred, and things toward our brothers and sisters, maybe just because of some incident that happened in the past. And I remember my dad telling my mom one time, she was speaking about somebody that had done something in the past. And, and uh, he said, now he called her my name. He said, now, Rose, he said, don't do that. He said, what if they have repented and God has forgiven them? And here we are bringing that up. He said, it'd be better just to leave it alone. I thought that was a wise uh, decision on my dad's part. And that's what I find here. Jesus is telling us in his prayer. And uh, now today, you know, another thing I want to mention while we're here on this. When we was growing up and went to school many years ago, grade school right on through high school, every morning we'd have devotions. And one of the things we did was we would repeat the Lord's Prayer. You could just ask about any child in those days at any time, uh, say the Lord's Prayer, and they could do it. Maybe they didn't understand everything, but at least they could repeat it. And I noticed that uh, when we was having young people one time in the church here not too long ago, and <clears throat> some of the young people was not able to quote the Lord's Prayer. We had to teach them the Lord's Prayer because it's not done in the school no more. That's been taken away from them. That was a privilege that just about every child had back in our day, and uh, they all knew the Lord's Prayer. But that's been taken out of the school now and taken away from them. There's another thing I want to point out about the Lord's Prayer. I hear it quoted wrong so often even I've seen it wrote down and put on a plaque. And it was still, it was one little thing that they do wrong because they don't understand it. He said in verse 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And the word here is in, in earth as it is in heaven. But, you know, every time I see it, it's on earth. Now, there's a revelation in that. You realize that our bodies... We're taken from the earth. Dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. So we are of the earth earthy, the Bible said over in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 chapter. So God wants his will to be done in us. He wants us to obey the word of God. So and not just on earth, but in earth. So that's another thing that I've always noticed in the Lord's Prayer. But uh, I want to move on here with the Word of God. And we find out over in the 18th chapter of Matthew. I want to read a few verses there. And Jesus, again, is doing some teaching. And he said in verse 18, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you, That if... <coughs> Two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, he just got through teaching, though, how that we, if we have any differences, we should go to that individual, and we should get those differences settled, and uh, get it all worked out and try to get that individual to receive you that it all can be fixed up. And if they won't receive it, take a witness. And if they 
still won't receive you, then bring it before the church. But in other words, these things should be fixed and put away because it's important that we come together in agreement. If you shall agree on earth, how can you be in agreement with a brother when you've got art in your heart and he has art against you and there's a problem between you, friction? No. How can two walk together except they be agreed? But we want to see the power of God. We want to see people healed. We want to see people delivered. We want to see people saved. So if two or three are gathered together in my name, we have to be in agreement, though, and you gather together in his name, this is just so wonderful to think about. He said, I will be in the midst of them. Here, Jesus will stand right there with you. When you are in agreement, when there's no hatred, bitterness, strife, or anything like that, and that uh, <clears throat> we come together and we agree, and if you don't agree, what did it say previous to that, this same chapter, you're supposed to fix it. But no, nobody wants to do that. No, just carry it on, talk about people behind their back, things like that. That's not according to the will of God. And if you hate your brother, you're lying if you say you love God. It just don't work that way. So we would like to see unity, and that's what God wants. And I remember Paul writing in Ephesians, he said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, Live peaceably with all men with as much as lieth within you. And that's what we should be seeking for is peace and uh, unity. I often said one time, uh, well, I said it uh, a long time ago, and I've used it a lot since, and other people took a hold of it, and they've used it. And I said one time, I, I wouldn't want to see a dog go to hell. And when you think about it, well, why should we not want to see our brothers and sisters and, and friends and relatives and, and other people in the church saved. Why do we get these uh, spirits of bitterness one toward another, fault-finding and stuff like that? I would rather see unity and I'd rather see everybody saved. So uh, we want to talk today about God's love and His mercy. And I want to share a verse of Scripture over in Hebrews about a great privilege that we have. I mean, this is a, a wonderful privilege when you think about it. And he says in verse 15 of the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but as it in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, he knows what it's like to be tempted. He lived here among us day after day, and he knows about all that, and he understands. We can go to him at a time when it looks like we're not going to be able to make it, and it looks like we're going to be given in. Oh, Jesus, help us. And he gives us this right. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I want you to think about that. Then we're going to go and I want to deal with a story. It's found in the 8th chapter of John. And it's about that woman that was caught in the act of adultery and brought before Jesus. But first, I want you to listen to this song. It's by Mary Cochran. And it sort of gives a description of the way that I see this 8th chapter. And that is, if I was going into a courtroom today, 
You know who I'd want to go with me? If I felt that I was guilty, I would want the best lawyer that I could ever get. And the best lawyer that I can think of, best counselor that I can think of, would be Jesus Christ. And I'd want him to go with me. I would want his wisdom to help me if I was in that situation. That's what Mary Cochran is singing about here, about mercy. Mercy. It can rewrite your life. It can fix things up. So we're going to hear that song from her at this time. I stood in the courtroom The judge turned my way It looks like you're guilty Now what do you say? I spoke up, Your Honor. I have no defense, but that's when mercy.
What a wonderful thought, forgiven when mercy walked in. I'd like to go to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John and start reading at verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman, taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those that thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. When I think about this story, it's a story that relates us uh, relates unto us the wisdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then I think about the scripture that said, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Here we are in a period of transformation from the Old Testament unto the New. Now they're still under the law. What they spoke was right. Jesus could have said, well, that's what it says. Well, let's just stone her and get it over with. But he didn't do that because he came for a purpose. And he didn't come to condemn, but he came that the world through him might be saved. He loved this woman's soul and he wanted to see her saved. And if they had stoned her in her condition, she could have been lost. But he wants to give her opportunity. Then I think about the other part of it. Now, he is the wisdom of God is manifested here and how that he worked this out. But on the other side of it, now let's look at the woman for just a moment. What if you was in a situation like that? Did you ever think about that? Actually, you are guilty. Like that song said, you, know, you come before the judge and the judge says it looks like you're guilty. What do you have to say? I have no defense. I am guilty. Now, what's going to happen to this woman if they continue with this, with the law now? She knows, standing there, what's going to happen to her. She's going to die. They're going to stone her. That would be a terrible thing to have to look forward to and know it's going to happen right away at any moment now. They're going to start stoning me. I'm going to die here I am guilty, and yet 
There's nothing I can do. I wonder what thoughts went through her head when she stood there. I wonder how she felt, probably trembling in body, knowing that she's about to die because she done something she shouldn't have done. She's guilty. The law says she has to be stoned or she should be stoned. And a lot of things that's probably going through her mind. And the wisdom of Jesus, because he loved her, didn't condemn her. He forgave her. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Now, he did not condone sin. See, a lot of times whenever you show mercy or compassion upon somebody, and others, maybe in the church, has a different outlook, and they'll sort of uh, judge you for that. Oh, they was guilty, and uh, that's not right. He's just condoning sin. That's what he's doing. He's just supporting, you know, the ungodly and all. No, that you're not. No, if you give somebody an opportunity and show them some love or some grace or some mercy and give them opportunity, maybe the hope is that they will repent in their heart sincerely before God, make the thing right, and appreciate the fact that they have been given another chance. And that's what the grace of God and the mercy of God is all about. And, yeah, we can quickly want to condemn one another, judge one another, but wouldn't it be better that we'd see the grace and mercy of God enacted? And I think about this poor woman as she stood there. Yeah, she was a sinner. Yeah, she did things. She should never have done that. But on the other hand, uh, there's a lot of things people do that they shouldn't do. And Jesus showed her compassion. And I wonder when she walked away. Now, I know the story don't go in and explain any more much about it. But uh, if you think about this, when she walked away from there, I got a feeling that she had so much respect, so much love and appreciation for this individual that had just showed mercy and grace to her, she probably wanted to follow his ministry from that time on. And I believe that's the way it is. To him who has forgiven much, he loveth much. And them that feel like they haven't done anything wrong, they don't really appreciate forgiveness like somebody that realizes that they was a sinner and that God showed them mercy and grace and saved them. And I think that's a wonderful thing. So I thought I'd just relate that story to you and bring out a few verses of Scripture today about let's have compassion one upon another. And let's try to pull them out of the fire, as Jude said, and some making a difference and having compassion. Why don't we do that? Why don't we try to get unity back into the people of God that we can work effectively and Jesus will come into our midst and we can agree on touching something and God will do it if we have that unity. So that's what I'm trying to get across today, talking about the love, the mercy, the grace, and the unity that God wants in the church. At this time, I'm going to have my wife Nancy read a poem that she had wrote. And it's talking about the same thing that I'm talking about today. So, Sister Nancy. Think on these things. When I think upon the goodness of God, my heart rejoices within. He chose me one day by his mercy and grace and cleansed my heart from sin. 
that I might have a hope, a reason to live, a purpose to my life, when at times it seemed that life was filled with nothing but trouble and strife. When you wake up in the morning and face the day and everything seems to go wrong, just stop and meditate upon the Lord and he'll melt. He will help you to be strong. Praise him for the blessings he's already given. His grace is sufficient for you. Think upon good things, not the bad, upon the pure and the true. Find someone who is down and out and give him a helping hand. Give a smile to a lonely soul. It'll make you feel so grand. Jesus should live on the inside. He wants to work through you. You'll soon trade your troubles and your woes for feeling so grand and true. So don't let the devil beat you down. Stand against him and stand against sin. Remember in the back of the book, my friend, it says that we do win. All right. Well, at this time we're going to have a song from Tim Spell. He's going to be singing, Cry Out for Mercy, for Jesus Still Saves. Just where to begin Afraid of betrayal But needing a friend You say your situation Is entirely your fault
have been listening to the Apostle and Prophet Ministry with Pastor Ron Boyd inviting you to join him again next Sunday morning at 8.30 here on WMBS.